Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, the S.K. Pierce Mansion in Gardner, Massachusetts, has earned the reputation as being the second most haunted house in Massachusetts and the ninth most haunted house in America. But what has caused such an infestation of ghosts in this Victorian mansion? We dive into the history and the haunting of this massive foreboding structure and visit the location ourselves to conduct our own paranormal investigation and find out what dark spirits lurk within the S.K. Pierce mansion. We are joined by special guest Crystal Quinn for this paranormal investigation. This is episode 100 of Hometown Ghost Stories, Overnight at the S.K. Pierce Mansion, Gardner, Massachusetts. September 2023, the S.K. Pierce Mansion. In the soft red glow of the dimly lit basement, four paranormal investigators gathered around their spirit box in attempts to communicate with the spirits of the infamous mansion. Their names shall remain unspoken, for their fate was sealed by their blasphemous pursuit of the unknown. They switched on the device, and it began rapidly cycling through the radio frequencies. The familiar sound of the device partially set their anxiety at ease, but that feeling wouldn't last. The team had cameras set up, as well as various motion sensors, so as to not miss even the slightest indicator that the veil between the living and the dead had been punctured. As the investigators began asking questions, the lights flickered ominously. They took notice, but didn't stray, remaining focused on the task at hand. A few moments went by, with little interaction on the spirit box, when one of the investigators suggested they move to a different room in the basement. Just then, a voice, an ethereal whisper that sent chills down their spines, emanated from the spirit box. It seemed to be the voice of a young girl, filled with sorrow and longing. It forbid them from leaving the room. Before the investigators had a chance to react, all the lights went out, plunging them into a suffocating darkness. Panic gripped them as they fumbled for their flashlights, their breaths quickened by a nameless dread. And then, an inexplicable horror unfolded. One of the motion sensors began flashing, illuminating one of the basement windows which was covered in a thin layer of plastic which was used as a barrier for insulation. The investigators recoiled in terror as the plastic began to inflate and contort as if something unseen were pressing against it from the other side, hungering to breach the barrier between dimensions. During the chaos, the investigators missed the voice from the spirit box heed a warning. Beware, the darkness consumes. But it was too late. The investigators, driven to madness by the supernatural assault, felt the very foundations of reality crumble around them. The dark energy that lurks in the basement of the S.K. Pierce mansion claimed their souls, and their names were forever etched into the annals of unspeakable horror. And so, dear listener, heed the cautionary tale of these ill-fated investigators, for there are places in this world where the veil between the living and the dead is thin, 
where the darkness hungers for the souls of the curious and the foolish. The S.K. Pierce mansion, with its dark secrets and supernatural history, remains a testament to the abyss that awaits those who dare tread too close to the yawning chasm of the unknown. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, the S.K. Pierce Mansion. Looming over the corner of West Broadway and Union Street in Gardner, Massachusetts, is the S.K. Pierce Mansion. From the outside, it looks like a haunted house. It's the perfect archetype. Gray siding and black shutters. The building towers over its surrounding structures. Inside, something darker seems to lurk. In fact, something so evil resides inside that building that the couple who owned the home from 2008 to 2015 were only able to live there for two years before they felt that they had no choice but to move out. Unlike most of the other notoriously haunted homes in the country, the S.K. Pierce mansion never seemed to be the scene of any infamous crime. Instead, it was the dream home of a wealthy businessman and his family. But once the building was completed in 1875, it very quickly turned into what seemed more like a nightmare. The mansion is just under 7,000 square feet. It's named after its original owner, a successful businessman in the furniture business named Sylvester Knowlton Pierce. It had state-of-the-art features, including gas lighting in every room, a massive furnace, and running water throughout. It was a marvel for its time. Pierce spared no expense when building this massive home. Their happiness would be short-lived before tragedy struck. Just two weeks after moving in, Pierce's wife Susan died from a flesh-eating bacterial infection, and she would not be the last member of the Pierce family to die in the house. After about a year, S.K. Pierce remarried to a woman named Ellen Pierce who was about 30 years younger than him. In 1888, S.K. Pierce died in the house, and the mansion was willed to his second wife. Eventually, Ellen also died in the house, and it was left to S.K.'s three sons, who would spend years fighting over ownership of the home and the furniture business until the two eldest sons finally moved away. After gaining control of the Victorian mansion, Edward Pierce would have a hard time maintaining the property, and he would see the entire family fortune dwindle away. His two-year-old daughter, Rachel, died in the home of a bacterial infection. Edward and his wife converted the mansion into a boarding house to make ends meet. By 1965, the house was in disrepair, and Edward was forced to give it away to his friend, transferring ownership outside of the Pierce family for the first time since its construction. The fifth confirmed death inside the S.K. Pierce mansion was a man named Eno Sari. He was a World War II veteran who lived there during the years that it was a boarding house. In 1963, he burned to death at the age of 49 in the main bedroom. Some speculate that he actually spontaneously combusted while lying in bed. However, Eno was known to be a drinker. He fancied moonshine and he was a heavy smoker. It's more likely that the fire was caused from a lit cigarette. Despite the burns on his body, the cause of death would be smoke inhalation. In the two years that Edward Gonzalez and Lillian Otero lived there, from 2009 to 2011, multiple neighbors described seeing a little boy with yellow hair running back and forth between their windows. What terrified Edward and Lillian was that they didn't have any children, and they didn't know who this child was that people were seeing in their windows. But their experiences in the house would become far more terrifying. There would be disembodied footsteps, slamming doors, objects moving on their own, 
Edwin and Lillian would witness multiple entities throughout the house, including a shadow figure that lurks in the basement, and a dark-haired woman with an eerie grin on her face, who may or may not have tried to possess Lillian. Eventually, their story would become the subject of the book, Bones in the Basement. Not all of the ghosts in the S.K. Pierce mansion seemed to be dark and menacing. Since the early 2000s, countless psychic mediums and paranormal investigative groups have visited the home and conducted their own investigations. Most of them seem to come in contact with the same few spirits. The ghost of S.K. Pierce himself, Susan Pierce, Edward Pierce, and a nanny named Maddie Cornwell. Other spirits that are said to lurk in the mansion include a sex worker who was murdered in the Red Room, a young boy, a younger girl who was maybe the granddaughter of Pierce, the ghost of Inosari, and other unnamed dark entities that lurk in the basement. Guests at the house have experienced everything from hearing voices, hearing chanting, they've seen furniture moving, screens that fly off windows, doors that will slam on their own, and the sounds of footsteps on the stairs and halls. There have been sudden temperature changes, foul odors, they've seen shadow people, and a loud roar like that of a lion which can shake the house. Others have felt pressure of hands that actually push against them. At least one visitor was even pushed down the stairs, while another was almost forced out of a third floor window. Paranormal experts say that the entities in this mansion are the most advanced that they had ever seen and they are capable of harnessing energy and converting that power into the ability to move large objects and impose their will physically on their current surroundings. Many previous owners have taken great strides in attempting to uncover the secrets of this home. The mansion has been visited by countless paranormal groups. It's also been featured on Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, and My Ghost Story. Being that we all lived relatively close to the S.K. Pierce mansion, we decided to take a trip to this notoriously haunted home to experience it for ourselves. 2009. Edwin had finally drifted off to sleep, after what seemed like hours of wrestling the cycle of paranoid thoughts racing through his head. He couldn't be sure how long he'd been asleep, however, before he was abruptly woken by the sound of the bedroom door slamming shut. Startled, he sprang from the bed and looked over at his wife, Lillian, who met his gaze, equally alarmed. The first thought that gnawed at Edwin's mind was that there must be an intruder. He rushed to the door and threw it open, hurrying through the second floor hallway. Room by room, he quickly inspected, confirming that no unwanted presence lurked within the walls of their home. Returning to the bedroom, Edwin began to explain that nobody could have been in the house, seeking to reassure Lillian. But as he was attempting to explain, the closet door began slowly creaking open, only to abruptly slam shut with an unsettling finality. The couple jumped. Edwin cautiously approached the closet door and with trembling fingers, slowly turned the handle. He opened the door, revealing the dark opening to the walk-in closet. To his horror, it was empty. Suddenly, the two dogs were at his side, barking ferociously into the gaping darkness of the closet's opening. The fur on their back, standing in a mohawk. Edwin took a step back, his gaze locked onto Lillian's face, which mirrored his own fear. There's nobody in there, he choked out. But in that dread-filled moment, Lillian's expression told a tale that needed no words. Her face said it all. It was the ghosts. 
Hometown Ghost Stories was fortunate enough to be able to investigate the S.K. Pierce Mansion, we charged up our equipment and headed to Gardner, Massachusetts. On our way to the house, we stopped by the Pierce family plot. After that brief visit, we headed over to the mansion, a beautiful yet imposing home overlooking one of the main roads in the town. We took a tour of the inside and then began to set up for the investigation. First, we set up a plan for the night. This house was too big to investigate the whole thing in one evening. We decided to focus on the red room, master bedroom, basement, and Eno's room this trip, with a plan to return to the house in the future. As we were unpacking and setting up, half of our electronics would die immediately. Our first room would be the red room, hoping to communicate with either Susan or Ellen. With half the equipment dead, we were left with the spirit box and red pod, and we would receive some very clear answers throughout the session. We would start by asking the spirit for their name. How about your name? Can we tell us your name? No. We would keep it simple after this and ask if its favorite color was red. Is red your favorite color? Unable to interpret it on the spot, I would ask again. Is red your favorite color? After asking if I was speaking to Alan, we would receive no answer. So I would ask a different question. Is it somebody else that we're talking to? Yes. Can you tell us your name? Yes. After receiving the name Mike on the spirit box, Jesse would ask for the presence to let itself be known and we would receive a chilling response. If there's anybody here with us right now, can you make your presence known, please? Now. Now. Whoa, oh my God. I just put the ball on us. Yo. All right. You like when you have visitors in the house? We wanted to see if a female voice would get us more results, so we had Crystal ask a few questions. After a few unsuccessful attempts, we got this. Did you not want me to talk to you? You seem to like to like the boys better. Stay. Whoa, what did that say? I thought it was stay here. Stay here, I thought it was stay out. Oh. Oh, oh was We would have Crystal ask one more question, and the response started to escalate. Do you like people knowing your story? After this, I decided to see what the responses would be if I was by myself before we completed the investigation of the Red Room. I would record some of the most chilling spirit box audio that we have ever gotten as the spirit continues to tell us to get out and leave. Do you want me to keep talking to you? Yes, please. I'm going to say goodbye for now. Maybe we'll come back. Goodbye. Say goodbye.
The voice tells me to wait just as I shut off the spirit box. What else did it want to tell us? Our basement investigation would give us one of the more startling moments we have encountered so far. Walking into the basement of the S.K. Pierce mansion gives you a bit of an uneasy feeling. It feels like you're being watched as you move across the various rooms. While down there, we decided this would be the best place to try and live stream a small portion of our trip. Unfortunately, the video and audio quality aren't going to be the greatest on this because of that. I'll explain to you what myself and Crystal saw and then let the audio play of the reaction. All of the basement windows had a layer of plastic over them, which is common in New England. Occasionally, when wind is coming through cracks, it can give the illusion of the plastic breathing. I assure you though, this is not what we saw. At first it started with the sound that drew my attention to the window. As I looked at it, the plastic began to move in a very unnatural way. It also caught Crystal's attention, and we watched it as it shifted and contorted until it expanded into a fully smooth state. The best comparison I can give is if you've ever seen the original Nightmare on Elm Street. The scene where Freddy Krueger is coming out of the wall is what I can most compare it to. I'll now play the audio of our reaction. What the fuck is that? The fuck? Did you see it? Yes. You didn't see it? Yes. You saw that, right? Uh Uh-huh. No. Bro. Dude, that is the freakiest fucking thing I've ever seen. I'm not even fucking around. You saw it. Dude, the entire thing just came out slowly. It just slowly, look at it. It wasn't like that. We just watched it do that. It's like a bubble. Yeah. It's like a balloon. It's apparently that's like, that's like protecting... Like, it's like one of those things that you put up to keep the heat inside. No, not like fucking, not like what it just did. Dude, I'm telling you, that does not do it the way it just did that. I have it on my phone. I record, yeah. Um, there was that, no. And it's fucking staying like that, so don't tell me that it just does that randomly. No, because look at how it's coming back. It didn't do it like that. No. I think it's Dave too close to the REM pod. It didn't. It did not do it like that. No, that was something else, bro. That was fucking terrifying. Is what that was. Uh-huh. You good? Yeah. The fuck is that noise? Come back to us. Dude, I you didn't see it, all right? You didn't see it. It was fucking terrifying. Two thousand twenty-two. It was Melissa's first ever paranormal investigation. She had signed up to join a larger group of amateur investigators to explore the haunted S.K. Pierce mansion in Gardner, Massachusetts, a house shrouded in mysterious legends. As the group assembled, they decided to divide and conquer, pairing up to explore various sections of the sprawling mansion. 
Melissa found herself in the company of another woman, Claire, close to her own age. Their designated location was a second-floor bedroom, none other than Inosari's room, the very place where the man was rumored to have spontaneously combusted back in the early 1960s. The women ascended the staircase and began to set up their equipment in the dimly lit room. They were the only team on that floor. Everyone else was either in the basement or on the third floor. Melissa was toying with an EMF detector when the unmistakable sound of a smoke alarm pierced the air, startling her from the hallway on the other side of the bedroom door. She and Claire hurried into the hallway, only to be greeted by complete silence. The beeping had stopped. Assuming it was nothing, they returned to the room. Not a minute went by when the alarm began sounding again, this time accompanied by the distinct smell of smoke. Panic set in as Melissa called out to Claire, alerting her of a possible fire, and the two sprinted for the bedroom door. Melissa tried turning the handle, but there was a resistance like somebody had been tugging from the other side. Melissa felt like she was going to choke from the smell of the smoke, and her eyes began to well up and sting with tears. In an agonizing moment, the door finally flung open, and the two women tumbled backwards onto the floor, gasping for breath. Silence. There was no alarm, and the smell of smoke was gone, vanished as though it never existed. We would conclude our investigation in Eno's bedroom, where he caught on fire and passed away. After touching the REM pod a few times and barely answering any questions, Crystal would ask him this. Did you love anyone? After a few more responses, Jesse would point to a piece of burnt wood that hung on the wall, supposedly from the night that Eno passed away, and ask this. What's this, Eno? You tell us what this is? After Crystal would identify a cold spot in the room, Eno would then say this unprovoked. We would then press about the accident and get one final response regarding it. Did your alcohol catch on fire? We would then change our questioning to see if there was more than just Eno in the room with us. How many spirits are in this room? Ten? Twelve? <laughs> they always do this. They always start throwing <laughs> After asking the spirit to touch the REM pod again, and in not doing so, Crystal would ask a question and get a very definitive response. Why can't you touch the REM pod anymore? Are you tired of everyone asking you to do things for them? Yeah. Are you tired of them asking you to do things for them? While saying goodbye, the spirit would once again tell us to wait. Hi, buddy. We'll, we'll leave you with your beverages. Despite telling us to wait, we wouldn't get another response, so we would say our goodbyes and get perhaps our most clear response of the night. You know, thank you so much for your service and thank you for letting us speak with you. 
Oh my God, that's a thing so clear. Holy. Alright, goodbye. Good night, Eno. Whoa. After finishing the investigation in Eno's room, it was time to pack up and go review the evidence that we captured. After spending the night in the S.K. Pierce mansion, it was clear that there was something going on there. It all started with our equipment malfunctioning. This happens almost every investigation, but at this place it was next level. It wasn't just batteries dying, but 8 out of the 10 SD cards that we used during this investigation to capture night vision footage, regular footage, take pictures, all of these have become corrupted. And it wasn't just coming from one piece of equipment. We used four different cameras, and only one of them was able to pull footage. Could this be paranormal or some sort of coincidence? We don't know. But that, added to the other noises and spirit box communications that we got throughout the evening, leads us to believe that we have more questions than answers. One thing is for sure, this house is full of unexplained activity, and we plan to return to the SK Pierce mansion to try to find out the truth about what really happened and what still lurks inside of this house. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 100. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. 100 episodes, and this was actually all a ploy, just so you guys know. I have now completed, after all these episodes, my manuscript, 100 Ways to Get Rid of Dave by Rob Coakley, <laughs> and that is what I used this, uh, this show for. So we're done. At least one per episode, plus side content, so it could be could be over 100 ways but we are joined by dave wilkins it seems that the 100 ways were unsuccessful as dave is still here with us so welcome in dave thank you i am still here and rob that was really nicely done looks like you uh looks like an eight-year-old wrote it yeah. <laughs> well you know i let my dog do it so <laughs> that explains it absolutely well welcome everybody who's hanging out in live chat and i can't say this enough if it wasn't for you guys there's absolutely no way we would have gotten to 100 episodes. And I'm dead serious. I know everybody says that. It's all because of you. It literally is. If we did this show and there was still just a couple people watching or a couple people listening like it was when we first started out, this is too much work. I would have gave up on it a long time ago and and still done these spooky things because it's always been in my heart. But um, yeah, I'm dead serious. The success of this show is, is thanks to you guys. And um, hey. Here's to 100 and here's to the next 100 because we're still we're still doing it and growing every day. So, again, thank you guys so much. I also want to say thank you. And to Jesse's point, we started this show almost two years ago now. In a few weeks, it'll be two years with literally zero viewers doing live streams. And that we knew that was what's going to happen going into it. And now we have over 100,000 people listening a month to this show. And it's growing and growing. So sincerely, thank you to everybody that has checked us out and continues to check us out. Without further ado, this was the SK Pierce Mansion. We did live stream some of it uh, on YouTube and it was a shaky one. This is like the 
common thing with all haunted places I've found is that the internet is all, always terrible. Yeah. So we're always like, we're going to do a live stream. We hope the internet's good. We literally set up in the room with the router. Like we were in the room, we're right next to it. And we st- it was still a shaky live stream. But this hour, while we caught some serious evidence all over the house, the hour that we live streamed was pure chaos. It really was. And I know a lot of you have s- you you've seen that footage. So we'll we'll start with that maybe just to kind of go over it. We could. Sure. We get down there and it's just pure chaos right away. Without talking about the window yet. We have we get down there and we're like, all right, we're all set up, ready to go. The yes, no box that we got, that's like the newest piece of equipment that we had, that answers one of our questions for the one and only time that this thing did anything all night. We were wondering if it was broken. It was not. It did give us one response. It was a yes to something. I don't even remember what we asked, but we did get one, right? And then all hell breaks loose. We hear some noises that we can't explain. The lights go out, and to which we all just freaked out. The lights came back on, and we were just panicking. And then- They're not professionals. We hear- well, I mean, everyone's going to get scared at some point anyways, right? It's not that yeah. it was just a creepy basement. It wasn't this this red, like that red effect was not an effect that we had. That is the lighting in the basement. It's just this blood red all through the basement. It makes it even more terrifying. It's actually really cool. I'm kind of glad they had it lit like that because we didn't have to do that. So the, and then it, all of a sudden we hear, we hear this crinkling and we look up and it looks like the, it honestly looked like the room was shrinking. And I did see what you saw, Rob. And it was the plastic on the window just sucked in as if it was the room was like inhaling. And then it just, whoo, and it just, it filled this whole thing up. And it, it, it did not seem natural, but I did not feel as strongly about it as Rob did. Well, it was more about when it was pushing out. Like you normally it's like sort of an even flow out, right? When you see the, this plastic on these windows go out, it's like one motion almost this. I don't even know how to explain the way that this plastic was contorting as it started to press itself out. It looked like somebody struggling to get out of a plastic paper bag or, or like out of a big piece of plastic is the best way to describe it. It was like pushing out, coming in and just like in out as someone's trying to get out of it. And then all of a sudden it just pops out completely and it's a smooth bubble and it holds that position until I believe Dave went over and pushed it in because Dave doesn't like fun and he has to ruin everything. But Rob, you were not having fun. I was not having fun. <laughs> I was very scared, but, at, but this is, this was a good thing to do because after you push it in, it just does it like a normal plastic bag where it comes out a little bit. It's all wrinkled. It's not, it's not smoothed out. It was really weird. And I think we even went back one or two more times throughout the night to check on the window and it never was back to that fully smooth, completely popped out position. And I just don't know how to explain it. I'm, I'm glad that we got it on the live stream. Yeah. Because two, two things because you could hear me in the video being skeptical immediately. It's just my nature. It's how I am as a person. I'm awful. But 
my initial thought was, okay, it's a, it's a window and the plastic is obviously there to stop a draft. It's stopping the draft. That's exactly how plastic over a window stopping a draft is going to look. It was the only window that did that. None of the other ones did. And it didn't happen again. And it was just unusual that it happened at the same time that all of our equipment went haywire and the lights went out. Granted, we do have to say that the lights going out was somebody shutting the lights off. They let us know after. So, uh, but it is weird. And then when we talked to the the woman who runs the place, mm-hmm. she was saying that, that that is not a common thing that happens down there, that that shouldn't have happened the way that it did and that it was definitely an anomaly. Tell us what you saw. Well, can, do your story, but tell us what you saw in the basement when this was going on, Jesse. We haven't heard your perspective yet. Yeah, my perspective was it, initially it scared the absolute shit out of me because I I didn't notice that there was plastic on the window and it looked like the room was just closing in all of a sudden. We hear it first. We're like, what is that noise? We look up and the window is just shrinking. And it, like you said, it looks like someone's like crawling out of it. But immediately I was with Dave and you could see me smiling in the video because you're freaking out. I'm like, dude, it's plastic on a window. This is its job. It's supposed to be doing this. So I immediately, the skeptic in me, and we're just being honest with you guys, the skeptic in me, I'm like, it's a window with plastic, a a plastic weather covering on it. It's going to do this. I live in an old drafty house. We pretty much have that plastic on, on two or three of our windows year round because they're old and they're just, they need to be replaced. So I see the plastic doing things all the time, you know, breathing, basically going in, going out. It's just what they do, but I've never seen anything like this. And it might've been heightened because of the moment that we were in where we were terrified and the lights had just gone out and we heard, we were hearing noises that we weren't expecting and it was already an eerie setting. So immediately my, my first reaction is dude is, you know, this is what they do, but I've never seen my windows do that. And I think we kind of move on from it because again, it could just be wind being wind. It could just be a window doing that, but you can't take away from, from what we experienced there. It was, uh, you can hear it in crystal's voice too, because she was watching it. She was absolutely terrified. So we were both watching it. And the noise is the thing that I don't think we hit on enough because you could hear the crinkling, but it was also not a natural way. It was doing it again. It sounded like someone trying to crawl out of a, plastic bag or something like it just wasn't crinkling it was it was honestly <laughs> it, i was gonna shit myself it was so it was well the scary. noise was uh the the plastic inflating also it was it was loosening some of the dirt because there was like a natural rock wall that was covered with more plastic there's plastic all over this basement it looked like a dexter kill room but uh it was also knocking dirt loose and that was like falling back behind the the plastic insulation making a real Mm. like crumbly noise so we had all these weird noises going on all the equipment going haywire the lights had just gone out and we're hunting for ghosts so it was a very it was like a collection of very scary things all at once yeah Yeah. so you had you had mentioned that we debunked the lights later on so later on in the investigation uh the woman that was our host what was her name do you remember marianne marianne so she was awesome she was super cool and we kind of were like uh We'd love a tour. She did a phenomenal tour, really explained everything. But then she was one of the best hosts that we could have asked for because she completely left us alone. And she went off and she was doing her own little investigation stuff, but she was making it a point to stay on a complete opposite side of the house while we did all our filming and audio and all the kind of stuff that we needed to do. That is a perfect host for us. For other people, I'm sure that 
she would help cater them and, and help them do their own paranormal investigation and supply whatever they're going to supply. I'm sure she's great in those scenarios as well. But for what we needed, she was perfect. But she's upstairs doing her own thing. And later on, we did come across, you know, we, we, we would touch base with her every once in a while and ask questions or whatever. But we had asked her, like, hey, listen, like the lights went out when we were in the basement. Is that on a timer thing? Or did you accidentally shut off the lights? She's like, oh, I accidentally shut off the lights. We didn't realize you were down there. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, so take that one off the list of things that we thought at the time were paranormal, but they were, it was not. So that was debunked and that was almost, you know, settling for us, but the timing of it could not have been worse. I know <laughs> it was in the middle of the chaos. And then, and then we were dumb. We, why, why are we so dumb sometimes instead of staying in that room, we moved over to the next room and everything just kind of died down because there's multiple rooms in this basement. And we were like, well, got to get out of here now. So we moved over to the other room where the what is it a furnace there was a furnace in that room so we thought we should investigate there as well and i guess it does make sense to go check that room as well but we probably should have stayed in that one room a little bit more to be I fair think. uh the equipment did end up dying down and we were getting nothing in that room for a while that's true and then I can't remember exactly what we were doing, but we had moved around and we were getting communications that was basically saying, I can't remember, but it, it was like telling us to keep going. So I, I kind of did like a tour around the basement. And then when it told me to stop, I stopped. I'm like, all right, so we do this room. And then we went there and we just got nothing. So the basement is huge. In fact, yeah. it took me like at least four walk arounds just to learn my way around the basement. So it's, it, this place is massive. It's yeah. so huge, which is why, you know, we mentioned it that we decided we're just going to focus on three or four rooms and then we'll come back and we'll focus on other rooms because there are so many hauntings. There are so many ghosts, so much paranormal evidence has been collected here that we couldn't get it done in, in one, in one visit, kind of like the Shanley hotel. We'll go back there as well because there's so much more to investigate. So I think this is the way to do it because otherwise you're rushing it and you don't want to do that. You want to only spend five, 10 minutes in, in a room so you can hit all the rooms. It's just not the way to do it. And I think what we learned at the Shanley, even though we sort of did this at the Shanley, was for places this big, we learned to condense the investigation, basically. It's like, this place is so massive, we're never going to hit all of it in one night. So let's really focus on trying to get specific rooms if we are going to come back, which we are going to go back to these places. And next time... We can go back to the red room if we want to go back to the red room. We can go back to the basement if we want to. But we can also mix in some other rooms and try to get some more evidence in other rooms as well. But not rushing your way through a big place like this. Just to try, just to say you hit every room, right? You're just never going to do it. So if you really want to take your time and focus, if you go to a place like this, make sure you're going and you have some semblance of a plan and your plan can change throughout the night. Obviously if something happens somewhere else, you can go there, but I would always go into a big place like this with a plan is what I would say. And we did before we get off the basement, I left this story out of the main story here because it's relatively controversial. The book on the mansion is called bones in the basement and it's called that for a reason during the stay when when Edward and Lillian owned the place. Now they owned it for something like seven years, but they were only really able to live there for two years before they felt that they had to get out of there for their own good. So at some point when they were living there, Lillian was, 
I believe she was possibly suffering from the beginning stages of demonic possession. And Dave, what's, what's your opinion? You, you've also read the book. Do you think it was also trending in that direction? That seems to be what they were alluding to in the book. Yeah, I think they were definitely leaning towards something demonic there, whether or not that's verifiable or if they were just trying to pump it up for the book. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the case because I did read the book and their stories did seem authentic. So it's just, they definitely did seem like it was trending that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there, there was a point where she basically fell into a trance and went down to the basement and she felt drawn to dig. Was it in the basement or was it just outside? Where was she digging? Cause I, I, I got, it was in the basement and it was in that little thing that we, that we checked out. Right. What was that thing? The furnace. Was it the furnace? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's where she was digging in the book. I think she was digging. I think actually, I think I think she was digging a much bigger hole. And they had they had since since we were there between then and now they've done a bunch of renovations in the basement. So they've done a bunch of renovations all over the place. Looks amazing. Yeah, it is. It really looks nice. amazing. You visit a lot of these places and they seem like they could definitely use some work. The Shanley Hotel, like basically the entire upper floor of the Shanley Hotel is like it's completely in shambles. It's obviously, it needs a ton of work outside, but they've done a really good job with the first and second floor of the Shanley. This place, the SK Pierce mansion, top to bottom is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And then they've saved this building because it was, it went through periods of falling completely in disrepair and it was not taken care of for a long time. Even when, when Edwin and Lillian lived there, it, it still looked like a nice house, but it definitely needed some work. But now it's like this place, I, it would sell for millions. This place is amazing. Every floor, top to bottom. It's, it basically looks like a brand new house while clearly not being a brand new house. It's so nice. But the basement, they've obviously done a ton of work to it as well, but all over the place. Anyways, so in, the, in this book, she felt drawn to, to go down to this basement and just dig or whatever. I might be getting the story a little bit off of where she actually dug, but she ended up uncovering. It was in the basement. You're right. It was in the, okay. She ended up uncovering a bone, and it was believed to be a human bone. They sent it in. Um, according to the guides there and according to the book, they got verification that it was a human bone. And that's terror. That's human remains on your property. And so they obviously believe that this is part of the reason that the place is haunted. And then according to, was it Marion? Yep. Uh, apparently, uh, according to her, they, they have recently found another bone there as well. So there's clearly something buried in that. They don't have a story of who it is. They don't really know. They've had psychic mediums who have talked about it and they have their theories on, on who this could be. They think the tunnel might've had something to do with it. They think there might've been some sort of child labor going on at the factory. This is all alleged. Obviously we don't want to speak ill of the dead, but I mean, this was a, a different time. There was plenty of that going on. So it could be anything. And there's a lot of theories on, on what or who these remains could have come from. I think it's worthy of mentioning, and I know you did mention it, but that she felt drawn to dig. She felt like something instructed her to do it because when she was digging, Edwin came home and asked her, what are you doing? And she couldn't explain. She said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing this. And it, it kind of reminded me of, did you guys ever see Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon? Uh, I think a long so. time ago. Yeah. And the, the ghost just in a dream commanded him to dig. So he just started digging in his house and just digging in his basement and digging in the yard. Anyways, it reminded me of that, but it gave it an extra creepy vibe because that is a weird thing to do and not know why you're doing it. It is. And there was some other weird factors that happened to this 
in, in the story as well. So the, the they woke up or everyone woke up like super early in the morning, still dark outside. And he sees Lillian and she's wearing like really nice clothing. And so he figured she was going somewhere. So he didn't really say anything. He just kind of went back to bed. And then he woke up a little while and she's still shuffling around the room and she's just humming this ominous tune. And he's like, what are you, what are you doing? Where are you going? And she, she didn't even say anything. She just left. And apparently she just left down to the basement. She didn't leave the house. He figured she left the house. So he went about his daily routine, went to his office, did whatever. And then later on, I don't know how many hours ago or how many hours later, but he finds her. She's basically covered in dirt. She's still wearing her dress and she just has this human bone. It was like a, what was the bone? It was like, um, they pelvic? thought it was a pelvic, a pelvic bone, but I don't think that was ever verified. I know that they had it analyzed and I, the, the story is, I guess that it was a, a, the bone of a adolescent female or a young teenage female. Pretty horrifying stuff. And yes. then I think later on they found maybe a, a shin bone or something like that. I'm not entirely sure what they said it was, but that was news to me. That was what we were told when we got to the house is that there was another one and it was currently being analyzed by the police. Donnie brings up a good point. He says it could have been the spirit of those remains that made her dig. That is a pretty good theory. If a ghost is left behind, then you believe that that ghost is lingering back because there's some sort of unsolved crime that relates to their possible murder. That could be a reason that why they're, you know, trapped in between d dimensions. So it's a good theory. Yeah. And Eric brings up that, uh, that it does sound like the beginning stages of possession. And there were other, there were other factors as well. This wasn't the only one. She was just not herself. She was getting angry. She was short with people that she would have never been short with. And she definitely would have been short with you, Dave. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. But they had a friend come over and, oh no, we got a small Dave cam. Uh, we said we we're going to stop doing this. Anyways, the, uh, <laughs> the, and that, and then it kind of capped off with, I don't, I don't really know how she was bailed out of this situation or how she escaped this position. It might've been when they just left the house, but there was one point where she just went to sleep for like three days straight. And Edwin, I, I don't know why, but he was like, he, he was unable to wake her. And when she did wake, she's like, why the hell didn't you wake me up? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how the story went. It's kind of wacky, but that's not something a healthy person does. That's not a normal thing to do is just sleep for 72 hours straight or whatever it was. I'm willing to try. That does sound <laughs> awesome. I want to so bad. I just want to take a 72 hour nap. That's all. I don't think that's too much to ask. Is it? No, no, I don't there think are, so. There are days where I could go for a 72 hour nap for sure. But I believe the ending, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but I believe the ending of this possession situation was they just picked up and left the house and they continued right. to own it for a while. There were other factors as well. And, and, and she was blaming Edwin, in a sense, for the situation getting out of control. And he was basically trying to find answers because they, they were experiencing tons of hauntings in the house. They're, they're seeing objects move. They're hearing things smash on the ground. They're hearing people fall down the stairs and they, they go there and there's nobody on the stairs. They're hearing this unbelievably loud roar. That's so loud that it like shakes the house. They're hearing all sorts of stuff and they're seeing stuff in the house. There was a spirit that Edwin saw in his office that came and visited him. I believe it was the same day. 
I mix up my stories. God, we do so many of these stories. Was it the same day that somebody died across the street? Yes. Yeah, at the he pizza was, place. Right. So he was visited by a spirit that same day. And it was so vivid that he drew a picture of this, this spirit or this devilish figure that came to visit him. It was a terrifying picture. It was like a real, like high cheekbones, real skinny face, really, really big eyes. It did not look natural. And it was a terrifying thing that came to visit him. So he's looking for answers. And he's like, I got to figure out what's haunting this house. I got to figure it out. So he starts calling in experts, starts calling in paranormal teams. And then he starts bringing in, uh, you know, word starts to spread around. He, he brings in, uh, I don't know who the first one was. It might've been my ghost story or ghost hunters, but he brings in a, a TV program and then it just goes through the roof. And then it's every day. It's a different paranormal team that wants to get in there and investigate. And they brought up a point that I had never seen brought up before in this book was that they felt, or at least some of the psychics had told them that bringing in paranormal teams was stirring up the activity. Now that's not news to me. I can understand how that could work, especially if paranormal teams are provoking, but they were like, they brought up something that I had never thought of before. They're saying that this house was already haunted. But when you bring in paranormal investigative teams that go to other haunted locations, spirits will attach themselves to those investigators. And those investigators are now bring, bringing in potential, potentially even more ghosts into your house. So your house is becoming more haunted because of certain paranormal investigators that are coming into your house. And to which I say that creeps me out as someone who has been to many, many haunted locations now. Do I think something's following me? Probably not, but it's something that I had never heard before I read this book. And that's a wild, that's a wild theory. And I could see it being possible. Yeah. And uh, I did like that the book was honest about the paranormal investigators. They said that they did come in, they did do some, they were professional and they did some investigations, but it was TV. So take that for what it's worth. They weren't saying they were faking stuff, but they were saying this was definitely the purpose was for a TV show, not necessarily to solve the problem. So that's that was their takeaway from that. The idea that this could have been a possession, I think, is interesting. There are some factors that looked like possible early stages of demonic oppression, but the fact that they solved it by leaving the house makes me think that it was not a possession because this the way it goes is if you're possessed by something, it doesn't matter where you go. You're stuck with that spirit. Yeah, I'm not sure if she contacted the church or did something along those lines to exercise those spirits. I when they would have mentioned that. They would have. So I don't think that there was an exorcism, but um forgive me if I'm wrong. I, I do believe they had the house blessed. Or at least they tried. I'm not too sure actually. I'm sure that I'm, they were this wasn't that long ago. Right. Edwin, Lillian, hit us up. Let us know. Tell us everything we got wrong. So <laughs> basically, we're just basing that off the book. It is a good book. It's called Bones in the Basement. I do have a copy. Usually, I have the copy right in front of me to show it to the screen. But for audio listeners, I am now showing the book to the listeners, and they love that I have the book right in front of me. <laughs> it's, it, it was a good book. It was actually a, a, a good read. A lot of these it was, books. It was well written. Yeah. A lot of these books are about haunted houses are very much almost the same exact thing over and over again. This one had a bunch of different elements, especially with the paranormal teams that they brought in because they they talked about it pretty pretty common and they talked about the good and the bad and it just makes me as a person as someone who does paranormal investigations it, it makes me remember what not to do 
and they're just the little things that drove them nuts when they put a little sign on the bed that says, do not lay in the bed. It's like, well, it didn't say don't sit on the bed. And people are sitting on the bed. They're rummaging through, uh, not a, that I would ever do this, but they're like rummaging through drawers and, and personal belongings. And this is when Lillian and, and Edwin still lived in the house. Yet that would drive me nuts too. I would, right. uh, yeah. So there's things That's that- a ridiculous thing to do. Right. And there's, you know, they'll leave a Coke can on a antique dresser and it's going to leave that little ring or something like that. Like it's just little disrespectful things that people might not realize that they're doing or they just don't care. It's still yeah. a home. Still treat it with respect. Like 100%. For the living and the dead, right? Like, just just be respectful at all times. You're not in an attraction. Yeah. And it's that... Go ahead. We love going to these haunted attractions that are built for scares and stuff. That's entertainment. That's not somebody's house. These are literally places that people live, sleep, have lived. Just be respectful. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like... Lillian was seeing it for what it was. She's like, dude, stop doing this. Like, for one... A lot of these folks aren't respectful. And for two, they're making everything worse. They're not helping with the problem. And obviously, I'm not bashing paranormal investigators. I'm not bashing people that have investigated the SK Pierce mansion. We are both of those things. <laughs> we just did this. So <laughs> we did go investigate this, but you know, obviously we were respectful. But it seemed like Edwin had tunnel vision. And he's just like, he just wanted answers. And it seemed like he was enjoying it. He was enjoying the attention. He was enjoying having these teams come into the house. Lillian was realizing that things were getting worse and she wanted to put a stop to it, but the money was helping as well. People were making donations. I don't know if they were charging per team or whatever, but it was helping to renovate the house, which is what they needed. And, but it did seem to be making the problem worse, especially with a lot of these people who will come in, not just disrespecting the house, which might piss off the ghosts as well, but antagonizing the spirits, rattling spirits up, using Ouija boards, things that, the homeowners might say is a no-no and they're just kind of doing it anyways, breaking the rules. They make the rules. And I think you kind of hear it in our investigation when we get to it. Some of these spirits felt fed up specifically in the red room, right? You, you get really different reactions per, per room that we went in. And I don't know if we just want to start diving into the red room. Now our investigation there, but there's an extended cut of the red room that I'm going to put up on Patreon where it's like you get every single response that we got. And there was a lot of get out, leave continuously coming through the spirit box. It just kept telling us to go get out, leave. It just did not stop in this room. And the juxtaposition of that is Eno's room where we were just like having a respectful conversation with him, but the red room, we got like three or four responses specifically on the spirit box that I've never, it was undeniably clear, right? Like just like undeniably clear how you couldn't, you just heard it perfectly come through and we've never had it come through that clear. It happened once in Eno's room too, but we were all just like kind of shocked staring at each other when some of these answers were coming through and they were almost like rapid fire too, where we would ask a question and bang, the answer would be right there where sometimes you're just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting more for, for these answers to happen and they just don't happen. So I don't know. What was your thoughts on that, Dave? Um, yeah, no, I I'm with you all the way on that, but I actually did want to address not to completely derail your thing here. 
we had a question. It was Andrew Purcell said, can any type of ghost possess you or does it have to be a demon? And I think that's an interesting question. So obviously there's no like scientific answer because, you know, this is all paranormal stuff is unfalsifiable. You can't, there is no science behind it, but there are theories and the theories are that while a demon will actively try and possess you, that you can be temporarily possessed by a ghost. Now it's not the same thing. They're two very different things. A ghost possession could be temporary. They sometimes will speak through a psychic medium. That's technically considered some sort of a possession, but they, so the, the short answer is yes, it can, but uh, not in the same way. Gotcha. All right. So let's get back to the red room and we're going to talk about our equipment dying real quick because this has happened to us in multiple locations where we've gone and all of our stuff is just dead and we kind of laugh it off and we make it work. Everything was dead here. It felt like, like we, and we were actually frustrated this time uh, we were in, you saw at the end of the video, we kind of set up like a command center in like the dining room and you see all the equipment we have laid out on the table. And basically we had one camera, cell phones, a spare box, which we had some trouble getting working as well. Cause those batteries were dead. And we had the yes, no box in the REM pod. Everything else was dead. So we weren't able to really investigate in multiple different ways. Like we would have liked to. And it's usually like a haha moment, like whatever things died, we'll make it work. This time it was really, really frustrating. It was so much worse than any other time. Yeah. So we were very like, you know, trying to figure out what we were going to do for investigations and stuff like that. It just sucks when everything's dead like that. But we started in the red room. We started with the spirit box. We started with the REM pod and something else that we did not put in the video just because we didn't have it captured properly on camera. The REM pod, it, we saw it go off the one time, or if you're listening, you heard it go off the one time when we got a response that we were trying to clarify when we said the response to clarify it, it goes off. But the interesting thing about the REM pod in the red room was every time Dave would walk into the room, which was on the opposite side of the REM pod, the REM pod, REM pod would start going off. And then if Dave walked out the door, it would start going off again. So we were trying to decide, like, does this thing want Dave in this room or does it not want this thing? Does it not want Dave in the room? Which is why we eventually just went to the solo investigation for the last like two or three minutes. But I found that real interesting. We've never seen the REM pod react to somebody entering and exiting the room like that. Right. And for those who don't know, and to clarify for those who do know, a REM pod will detect anomalies in temperature. It'll detect anomalies in uh, electromagnetic frequencies and it'll detect motion. However, only like very proximate to the actual yeah. device, like within maybe a foot or two. And this thing was on the opposite side of the room. So it was not picking up my motion. It was not picking up any, all I had off of me was my cell phone. It wouldn't be picking that up. And I mean, so it, it could have been either an electromagnetic frequency or an, an electromagnetic anomaly very close to it or it could have been picking up some sort of motion very close to it, or it could have been actually picking up a temperature drop because we actually did have a temperature drop in, you know, Sari's room later on that night. Yeah. So it would be the first time. 
Eno's room, and we also had a temperature drop in the master bedroom, which we did not release any of the footage of for there. That was the other room that we did. So there were – so this house in particular, that's a great point, Dave. We had a lot more cold spots than we've had in the past. We've had at least two, maybe three on this one. So that's another thing to point out. And the other thing I want to point out about the REM pod in terms of the motion, Jesse could walk in and out of that room and the REM pod wouldn't go off. So that trajectory wasn't the cause of motion. Like even if it was able to pick up that far, it wasn't. So that was the other thing. So just Eric says uh, cell phones can set them off if you don't have your phone on airplane mode. That is mostly true now two things on that it will because i can i can set off the rem pod intentionally with my cell phone but it has to be very close to it and it has to be doing something it can't even if it's not on airplane mode i can put my cell phone that's on directly next to this device and it won't do anything but if i like make a phone call or open an app it will set it off but again it has to be like two feet away from it. So that's the yeah, reason actually, we put it on the other side of the room. Right. You demonstrated that for me because I straight up didn't believe you. <laughs> you're like, no, you actually have to be doing something. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. And you actually just unlocked your phone and the thing went off. It was just like the phone in, even when you had the screen on, but you put it kind of close, it didn't really do anything. And maybe different REM pods react differently, but the one that we have, it didn't do anything until you started doing something on the phone. Now, this equipment malfunction stuff that we had, which hurts me to record or even talk about because it just pissed me so off. So it pissed me off so much that night. I spend the majority of my night just trying to get shit to work. And that's not what I want to do when I'm there. I want to hit record and go. I want to turn equipment on and go. Obviously, we make it a point to completely charge this stuff. And I'm even more frustrated about it because we have to keep talking about it. I'm so sick of talking about equipment dying and things malfunctioning at every single haunted location. This one, like we said, was next level. I have a pile of memory cards, SD cards, whatever you want to call them. All of these don't work anymore. They're, none of them. We have footage on all of these. I have no night vision footage from that location. And it wasn't even just that the, the, um, that the cameras weren't recording correctly. Like These memory cards don't work in anything anymore. And it's not just one. It's not just two. And like I said, made it a point. It wasn't just one camera that was corrupting these things. It was we had... I said four, but that doesn't count our cell phones because that's pretty much what we had to resort to filming off of was the cell phones because everything everything was was going horribly wrong. And it wasn't just writing to memory cards that was the problem. It was also the cameras themselves. The night vision camera, which is brand new. We just mm. bought this for the previous investigation. I think we bought it for the Shanley Hotel investigation. So this thing is like a few months old. This thing was going insane. It was flashing. It was flickering. The, um, the, the Everything was just going wrong with it. And it, it was only happening on the second floor of the house. When I took it down to the first floor, it would work fine. But our investigation wasn't on the first floor for the most part. So, but second floor, third floor, it, 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 it was just going absolutely crazy. The, um, the infrared light was, was going in and out and in and out. And not like you had it on a flash setting. It, this is actually pissing me off to even talk about because er everything was just going so crazy with the equipment. So I, I we can move on from that, but it was uh it was driving me nuts. Because if you, if you drop dead right this second, you're going to be a negative spirit, and that I will be, I will be, and it will be <laughs> literally just because all of our 
toys don't work. <laughs> Jesse is the first ghost to go around charging everybody's equipment. Like, no, I know, I know. Like, here, just have some energy. Yeah. You saw so, in the you saw in the footage I put on too. It's just the the entire tabletop is just spare batteries. Like that. That's like ninety percent of our equipment is spare batteries. Everything was charged. The charging wasn't the issue that time. I don't know. Drive me yeah. nuts. All right, let's continue to talk about this Red Room spare box session because it was very compelling with the get outs and all of that jazz. The other the other thing that was interesting about this house and having Crystal with us for the investigation was the Red Room is supposedly inhabited by multiple female spirits. And it seemed like if I asked a question or Jesse asked a question or Dave asked a question, we would relatively get a response right away. And then we switched to having Crystal ask questions. And that was the only time that the spirit box pretty much stopped talking. There was like a four or five question gap between answers until we finally got an answer for her, which was, I believe, leave or something like that. And then we get the exact opposite when we go to Eno's room where Eno ex almost exclusively, he answered some questions for Jesse and myself, but seemed to really be more infatuated with answering questions from Crystal. So just that whole difference between two different rooms on the same floor where different people are getting different levels of success with the responses was real interesting to me. Yeah. And it might be a, there are so many spirits that haunt this house. You don't know if we're getting, we're talking to the same entity or if we're talking to different entities at the same time. Or another thing is we didn't bring this up in the book. They believe that the spirit of SK Pierce does not like paranormal investigators and he, they, the way they put it was that he will instruct all the other ghosts in the house not to either not communicate or to give us false conflicting evidence. Yeah, which is, it seems like there was almost like a hierarchy of spirits in the house and he was kind of running the show. And it was like, if he didn't get a good vibe from you, then he'd be like, yep, don't talk to them. They said they like, they said that, I don't know if it was psychics that were picking up on it or what, but they were saying that like, they could see SK Pierce's spirit standing next to another ghost in the house and just, you know, hand on their shoulders saying, nah, don't talk to them. So that might be why you have nights where you don't get a ton of evidence, but for all the things that went wrong, the things that did go right was I did seriously feel like we had some communications, especially with, you know, it felt like a <laughs> Captain McSlice said it felt like a pyramid scream. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did feel like a, a location that was dead. Something was going on there. It's especially just getting the shit scared off uh, out of us off the bat down the basement, the connect uh, in for the most part. And you can kind of see it on camera where a lot of us are, we're trying to pick out what the spirit box is saying. And I hate how much spirit box we had in this episode, but again, just things were going wrong. But at the same time, the spirit box was working and a lot of the communications, you could see us kind of, we try to pick out what they say as they're saying them, but the way you went back to that footage, Rob, and figured that stuff out, we got some really clear communications and we could feel that too. Cause a lot of these clips were like, Ooh, that said something, but I can't really tell. And that's why you got to go back and review this stuff and really listen closely and see if you actually got something legitimate. And sometimes you don't even realize what was said on the moment. And then when you listen back, it's super clear. 
So one of them, I thought I heard it say like, yes, please. But it actually said, get out. <laughs> and I was like, how did I misconstrue that on the spot? Because it's like almost very clear that it says get out or leave or whichever one that was. And I, I can't remember specifically because it said get out, leave, go about a hundred times to us in that room. So whichever one it said there, I was like, yes, please. It's like, don't, it was like, get out. And I'm just like, oh, oh, maybe I should have left at that moment. So there was a few others where it just seemed like we we didn't even hear it say it. And I'm like, how did we miss that? It's it's so different when you're there in person. We got this the little speaker on the speed on the spirit box that we're trying to listen to, and it comes so fast, you gotta catch it. It's a lot easier after the fact to go back and analyze with headphones on and proper studio equipment where we can uh, rewind it and replay it and hear it, you know, at on headphones as opposed to just over that little speaker in real time. The the other thing I want to bring up too is as frustrated as we were that we had to use the spirit box so much, again, it was almost a blessing because we've gotten spirit box res responses before, but this house specifically, there was like full-blown conversations. And the only other time I remember having like this much success was in Middleborough at the at the Oliver House when I was doing that solo investigation in in the in the wife's room. And even then I felt like there was more gaps until the very end. This one was boom, 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 boom. Like just rapid fire responses. And it's saying my name that one time was scary as hell going back and listening <laughs> to, by the way, because we didn't catch that live, but it just goes Rob. And I'm just like, Oh shit! <laughs> like it said my name. I don't like that. I don't. I don't like that at all. To be Might honest. have been saying its own its own name. It's true. But yeah, then I asked its name, and it, I think right after that it said Mike. So yeah, we've had success with it. We've also had duds on the spirit box. We've had some locations where nothing comes through, and it's weird. Like the the REM pod was pretty active at this location. It was completely dead at the Shanley Hotel. I think it maybe went off once and you, I, it, you like to see consistencies with the same location over and over. Yeah. But you almost kind of like to see inconsistencies when it comes to equipment like that, when you go from location to location, because if it just right. goes, if it just goes crazy, every time you turn it on, you know, you're like, all right, break out the noise box. Let's hear some noises. Like, like it's not, and I'm talking about the REM pod right now. If it just goes crazy all the time, like what's that really telling you? Yeah, now, it might be telling you that you're in extremely haunted locations all the time, or you just have a noisy piece of equipment that just sits there and and goes off all the time, or like, that you have a spirit attached to you, and every time you turn it on, it just goes off because you're haunted. <laughs> yeah, no, apparently that's a that's a thing that we learned about today. Yeah. So that's well, what about this though? We're we're so frustrated by the equipment dying, and I just kind of like this dawned on me while I was going over everything in my head again. What if when we get to these locations and the spirits are comfortable communicating in certain ways, they just take the energy from everything else to use through those other methods that they want to communicate through. Right. So they're like, I know how to use the spare box. I want to communicate through the spare box. So they drain the energy of everything else. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? It could be. Yeah which might be why you might have one piece of equipment that constantly works or, or you know, the, the, each one might be like favorited. 
at a certain thing. Uh, Andy asks on Facebook, he says, do these machines ever have to be calibrated? That's a good question. Maybe we need to do some calibrating. I don't think so. Well, we have to troubleshoot them to make sure the REM pod specifically, right? So you have to turn it on. You have to make sure that when you turn it on, you're getting the motion detection by going up to it and everything like that and making sure that it's just not freaking out by itself because it has done that in the past where you have to do like a hard reset on it to make sure that it it works properly. So they're like calibration, not that advanced, but there is some troubleshooting to make sure that it's working the way that it should be working. Right. Yeah, and these, particularly the EMF detectors are not super complex uh, piece of equipment. So they don't, there's no, there's no way to calibrate it. It's actually really like baseline when it, when it comes to the technology. The technology. Yeah. 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 A lot of the equipment seems pretty simple. Not that I would know how to design it. I'll do some research on it. I figured out how, to, how a nuclear reactor works. I'm sure I could figure yeah. out how a spirit box, <laughs> spirit box works, but yeah. So, so um, next Tuesday, we expect you to have your own homemade REM pod to show everybody in the chat. That'd be good. And I would sell them for cheap dude. <laughs> paranormal investigative equipment. Yeah. Is so unnecessarily expensive for what it is. I mean, you know, if you're actually collecting evidence of the paranormal, then it's worth it. But at the same time, it's like you receive some of these things in the mail and you're like, this cost me $600. <laughs> and you're like, is this is it. All right. Better catch some ghosts with it. <laughs> I don't know. This is, the, this is the field we chose, boys. Uh, we have one more room to talk about. And that is Eno's bedroom which I thought we also got some really interesting responses and already brought it up. It seemed to be responding to crystal mostly, but would still answer us. And although the thanks at the end was the most clear response we got from everything, I thought the open communication about his death was really intriguing. Cause that was like a back and forth conversation where you point to the the burnt piece of wood and just to clarify when there was renovations happening on this house they found a burnt piece from the room and they've since put it in a frame and they hang it in that they hang it on the wall in that room like sort of as a as a memento to you know like this sucks that this happened to you here's a piece of the wood, but it could also be used as like a trigger object too, because that was there that night that he burnt. It's still a piece of it. And Jesse goes over to it and he points to the wood and he's like, you know, what happened to you that night? And basically it said death. And the even more compelling one of that was so much fire, which is uh, an insane response. That is a, yeah, it makes makes me sad almost to hear that. It's like, damn, just so much fire, you know? Yeah. So the theory is, I mean, like we, we mentioned it, but he was a heavy drinker. He preferred moonshine and he was a heavy smoker. So they think he probably was drunk off moonshine and maybe spilled some and cigarette plus alcohol equals fire. But there was some eerie elements to the fire. So he died from smoke inhalation. He had burns all over his body, but there was no damage to the rest of the room. Mm -hmm. And the fire department was kind of baffled by that. So it's kind of a weird thing. And it had led a lot of people to believe that he actually just spontaneously combusted. And I would say due to the death certificate and the reports from the officials, I would say that's not the case, but 
I mean, that's how things spread around, no pun intended, but that that's how a lot of people thought that he died. And it's a even, sad story. And even on the spirit box, when we asked, it, it mentioned a bottle, right? It said bottle and then it said death. So it was just a really interesting exchange where it went back and forth. It wasn't just a one answer. It was, again, it was like a conversation. Like you were legitimately talking to this person and they were giving you the responses that we were looking for. So I find that like really, really intriguing versus some of the other spirit box sessions we've done, which are still great, but to have these back and forth conversations, it feels like we were almost spoiled at this house for that. And I don't know if we're going to get it as well as we did here on other locations. Right. Let's take a quick pause. Uh, Candy has been tuned into the show and was waiting on the arrival of a grandbaby. And it sounds like baby Raven has just entered the world. Congratulations and welcome in to our youngest fan of the show, <laughs> Raven. Uh, hey, congratulations to you. Babies are so much fun. And uh, that's awesome. Raven better join the Patreon in the next five minutes is all I'm going to say. Time's ticking. Get your plan already straight, Raven. <laughs> that is no, awesome. Congratulations. Though. And during the show, and look at that. Love it. You took your time out to, to watch the show while, while babies are coming. So that is that is awesome. Welcome in. Welcome in. Yes. Anyways, what I found super interesting about this room that was different than the rest of the communications was we had more luck when we started speaking to Eno like he was a person and started speaking to him like we were just hanging out with him yeah. as opposed to just running those same questions. Who are you? How many spirits are here? Sometimes that works. Sometimes that's the best way to get communications. That was basically how we communicated in the red room. And we just kind of saw this room a little bit different. I mean, mm -hmm. the not only was the wooden plank kind of a trigger object, but there were also a whole bunch of nips. We saw this at the Shanley. You see this at a few different places whenever there's a ghost who, you know, is the ghost of someone that was a drinker. They bring them nips and enable them or whatever, but they use that as trigger objects, but there's a whole bunch of nips. So we're trying that we're putting them on the bed. Like, Hey man, what, what would you drink a choice here? What would you prefer? We got, you know, we got Jack, we got Johnny Walker, we got vodka, tequila, you know, which one would you pick here? You know, we know you like moonshine, whatever. And as soon as we started talking like a human being and crystal was talking to him about the war and being a veteran and all this kind of stuff, that's when we started getting these normal responses and they were like blunt in real authentic responses to our questions. You know, it's just uh, like, what happened here? Death, so much fire, you know? Uh, and then, Rob, you're like the king of saying goodbye to ghosts and then just immediately saying goodbye back. There's no pause. There's no, there's no edit in that clip. It's, it's, this is like the fifth time it's happened. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. And we got the, the one thing we didn't mention in the other room was as I was shutting off in the red room, it said, wait, right as I hit the button. So that's going to be something interesting to explore going back to this location. But yeah, the in Eno's room, it's saying goodbye right on cue. It's it just it does. That's the first. It's the first investigation that I've ever done where I felt like the responses were just a regular, authentic conversation, as opposed to other ones where you're like, "Oh, it might have said this. It might have said that." The the responses that we got in Eno's room were probably my favorite that we've ever gotten in an investigation because it just felt like an actual conversation with a human, mm -hmm. which is so much different than all the other ones. I love anytime we get something that could be evidence, but this one just, it just felt a little different. 
Well, again, so different from the room we did that's on the same floor of the same house over in the red room. Just getting those scary, scary responses from the red room versus having the, the normal conversation in Eno's room. So it just very, felt like you felt different. like you were having a conversation with like a, a, a grandfather or something, you know, like a World War II vet where you just you stop in his room and he's gonna shoot the shit with you because you're there. And mm. if you want to go, whatever. That, that, that's the conver- that's what the conversation felt like. It was like, you know, sure, I'll answer your questions. Cool. Say what say what you will. But so much fire is by far the most haunting response I've ever heard on the spirit box. Yeah. With, you know, given context of this guy's death. For sure. I mean, that, that's super compelling the way that that is, you know what I mean, on its face. But again, it's also just a real response to the question and mm-hmm. terrifying, absolutely terrifying at the same time. Yeah. So. That's kind of our investigation for this place. Again, we did the master bedroom, which we got a little bit of stuff. And I just want to point out, I have extended clips of each room that I'm going to throw up on Patreon. So if you are on the Patreon, you'll probably get that tomorrow night. I just, we had to edit some of this down for the show and I, and I wanted to get some of the major highlights, but to see a lot of it uninterrupted, you can go over to Patreon and check out the full video for the each room. You can. I kind of, so as you probably know, if you've listened to a few of these episodes, we try to keep them to like 15, 20 minutes tops. This one, I was trying to tackle the history of it, which there's a lot of it. And I already got your pieces. So I'm like the one who compiles the episode and I'm putting it together and I'm like, all right, I apologize to everyone. I was speed read Jesse today. I went back to my old roots, but I had to, because I'm like, I got to get this in within like five to six minutes. Yeah. And then I'm just piecing it together. I'm like, this thing's still going to be 27 minutes long. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's a, whenever you get these investigations episodes, they, they are, they are long ones and we skip over some details. So if there's people who are already experts on the SK Pierce mansion, or if Edwin or Lillian are listening and be like, what the hell? That's like, that's not my story. That is a very, very, very summed down version of the story. It had to be. So, and we're also, also going back. So we left a lot of thing. stuff out, right? So we are going back to the SK Pierce mansion in the future maybe a year maybe i don't know we're 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 not nostradamus we're not uh gonna do that we're not quasimodo if you've watched the sopranos <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen that clip no <laughs> was it an outtake no it's it's an actual clip where tony and bobby are sitting in a diner talking and he goes my mom's just not been the same since september 11th happened and Tony goes, yeah, I know. And he, Bobby goes, you know, Quasimodo predicted all this. And Tony goes, <laughs> Tony goes, who? He goes, Quasimodo. He goes, no, it's Nostradamus. Quasimodo is the hunchback of Notre Dame. And then Bobby goes into this whole thing. He's like, yeah, hunchback of Notre Dame, halfback of Notre Dame, quarterback of Notre Dame. It's it's a hilarious clip. Seek I it am. out. It's it's a ridiculous conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. So, although um, I just one quick question, I don't think we have to be Nostradamus to predict our own actions in the future. We just don't know when is my point. I don't know when we're going to go back. We're going to go back. We want to go back as soon as possible, but we have other locations we want to go to as well. So, I mean, it's, it's on the list to go back. We have a plan for when we go back. It's not far for us. So it's probably going to happen sooner than later is what I would say. mm -hmm. But, you know, we still have other places to get to. One of those places that we're going to get to, I'm excited about. Uh, on a whim, just booked a trip to London. 
I'm going to go out there and I'm staying right next to Whitechapel. So I plan on going out there and I will definitely be getting some content. I'll probably try to live stream. If the internet is shaky, then I will record some content, at least for Patreon and YouTube members. And I'm going to go do the, uh, I'm going to do the Jack the Ripper walk and go visit those locations. Several of those are said to be haunted. So I'm kind of pumped about that. If you hadn't listened to the Jack, oh, I'm sorry. If you haven't listened to the Jack, Jack the Ripper episode, then you're missing out, but we're going to, uh, I'm going to go check that out. So excited. Stay tuned for that. I'll be out there beginning of November. So coming up soon. And this is episode 100. We have our episode 100 party coming this Friday. Boom. Friday. It's here. It's Boom. here. So if you're in Massachusetts, if you're close to Massachusetts, if you're far away from Massachusetts and you want to come out, we will be there for our party. So this is obviously 100, but the, the party's going to be on Friday. We're going to be at Second Wind Brewing. We're going to be telling a little bit of ghost stories, hanging out, drinking some beer. And if you don't drink, you're obviously still welcome to come. If you're not a beer drinker, they'll have seltzers and some other options as well. But this place is awesome. It's right in downtown Plymouth. Uh, we'll get the square footage of how many feet away from Plymouth Rock you are. But we it is linear footage. Absolutely. And uh, you can you can go there and look at it and it's gonna be a good time so we're excited to, to see people we will have the episode 100 t's dave do you have those close to you can you show one on the camera yeah I gave gave dave the old box of uh t's so we will have those we're gonna send those out to our patrons first and then we'll have them on friday at the event you can pick up your limited edition episode 100 t-shirt there it is dave's showing it on camera for those uh, of you it looks like the, the SK mansion. it actually kind of does <laughs> that was not on purpose Nope, but it does look like it a little bit. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good night. If you are going, I know a couple people in chat are going. I've talked to a few, but shoot me a message in Discord or on shoot us an email because we're trying to set a few other things up as well for before the show if we can make it happen. So we might go check out a few of the haunted places before we go. I can't promise it. We still have to set up for the show. But we're going to try to make it work. Yep. Yes. Uh, Patrick asked what time. It'll be from 7 to 10 p.m., but they have asked us if we could potentially stay, stay open later than 10. They're going to stay open a little later because there's a ghost tour going around Plymouth, and they get in like right at 9 o'clock, and they want to continue to do ghostly things. So it'll probably run a little bit later. And, and um, there's other bars in Plymouth as well, and maybe we have to go do a pickle deck shot with some of the listeners. Might be mm-hmm. Think that would be so appropriate. Um, I did step away for a minute, so I just let me know if I'm repeating things you guys already said. We have two other events in Plymouth also this month. Once one on the 26th, which is a ticketed event. I can put the link on uh, in the Facebook group, and then on the 28th, obviously, we have our Horrorcon event. And then also check us out on. I plugged them last week, but I got it wrong. It's Deviant Behavior Radio. They're going to be uh, playing one of our episodes on uh, one of these nights in the next week or so. So check them out, Deviant Behavior Radio. Very yeah. cool. It's going to be cool. No, we didn't talk about those events, but yeah, there are two other ones. So are all three of our events in Plymouth? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, we're taking we over. We are Plymouth. We are Plymouth Rock. We are taking over Plymouth, Massachusetts for Halloween season. But All of the breweries and beer places. We got Second Wind <laughs> Brewing. We got one at Mayflower Brewing. And then we want to have one at the Craft Beer Cellar. <laughs> <laughs> we're making our rounds we will be sober in november that'll be the <laughs> that'll be the next time that we'll see us sober so i think that'll pretty much do it anything else gentlemen 
You want to get into oh. some five-star reviews? Yeah, let's do that. I got to thank our patrons too. All right. So the first one is actually from YouTube. And um, I can't believe I'm going to read this, by the way. I am not happy about it. This is a five-star review by I Hate Rob. <laughs> Around the end of last month, I was looking for a new podcast on Spotify after binging all the spooky ones I listened to. And this was the first one I found. I listened from episode one and couldn't wait to support this podcast in any way I could. Yeah, it sounds like you're supporting me a lot. I hate Rob. I'm glad you took a break because they just updated their picture and now their picture is just Rob with a, with a cross throat. <laughs> These guys will keep you intrigued and have you laughing every episode. They really do their research and come prepared for every show. I love the inside jokes they create with the audience and really put the extra effort to make the audience a part of the experience. The banter back and forth really makes the show, but I couldn't help and notice the lack of people coming for Rob. So I knew I had to do something. <laughs> to balance the scales. I want Dave to know that at least one person in this world will be a proud wearer of their Rob sucks tattoo. This is quickly <laughs> oh, please do my it. favorite Please do it. <laughs> and can't wait to load up on March. Keep up the amazing work, guys. Um, Hell yeah, I, I hate Rob. You're not going to get that tattoo. I know you won't. So. I mean, shit, I'll get that tattoo. <laughs> I'm, <not gonna> <laughs> I'm full you, of If you do it, tattoos. I'll do it. Oh, I'm in. I'm we gotta make an appointment now. And, and then me and Dave would have to get Jesse sucks tattoos as well. So we would just have to complete that circle. Yeah, we, we might as well just get the trifecta. <laughs> uh Hustle Hustle Cat says, uh, I'm still listening and catching up while working, but glad I got to catch the live stream today. It is always good to see new faces in the live stream. Hustle Cat, it Hustle is. Cat's been here before. Yes. Oh. Uh we also Welcome have back Hustle Cat. A five-star review from Vela titled Cool Show. One of my favorite podcasts, very fun and entertaining. I have no friends, so it's like it's like I get to hang out with some cool dudes for an hour. Well, Vela, me and Jesse will be your friends. We we will be your friends. I mean, this other guy, you don't want to be friends with him. No, no, no fun <laughs> being friends with me. The worst. Um, this one really, this one coming up made me laugh a bit. This one is from Laura. Don't you know? Say it, say it, Jesse. Don't you know? <laughs> and it's titled Ron Meshbesher. Hell yeah. <laughs> Love listening to the show. I found you guys when I was searching for haunted stories in my state of Minnesota. Loved your episode on the Glen Sheen Mansion and especially all the callbacks to Ron Meshbesher ever since. He has billboards all around Minnesota still. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Love, <it>. <laughs> <laughs> Love the camaraderie, the bad accents. Mm -hmm. Minnesota accents aren't the same as Canadian. The storytelling so so good so thank you laura for That's that review i didn't know he said so ron meshpesher <laughs> pays for advertising on a regular basis we should probably send him a bill yeah we, we should there's no way that he... <laughs> we have millions of downloads that's right ron meshpesher and not only that like we're, we we basically praise ron as if he's our like attorney on retainer he's not I've never i didn't even know this man was still alive he's still kicking Awesome. This, Love to hear it. This so, one's from Gidget. Oh, you got more. All right. I do have more. You relax. This one is found a great new paranormal podcast. I normally listen to Haunted Roads and New England Legends, which I love. Good shows. I've listened to a few other paranormal podcasts, but stopped because I couldn't handle the hosts. I was pleasantly surprised when I found this one. I love the beginning when you dive into the story, and I love the host and their back and forth commentary. The guys are funny and keep me interested. I am listening while I am working from home and whenever I'm driving getting all caught up, keep them coming. 
and poor Dave and all the threats. What is this Dave like love all of a sudden going on? I have two more. This one is from Blazora55, titled Love This Show. As someone who has a deep fascination with the paranormal, hearing about smaller, lesser known hauntings is refreshing to experience. Love listening to the commentary at the end with the guys. Feels like a scary fireside chat. And the final one is from Fur Mama 2. I am giving you guys a five machete review. Hell yeah. If, if you've listened yes. to the latest Friday the 13th review, um, I ruined Dave's life by changing the star rating to a machete rating for that episode. Love you guys so much. I look forward to your new podcast and re-listen to the old ones all day long. I can't get enough. Love listening to your banter. You are all just the best. Keep up the great work. That was uh, a lot of reviews. That was. Yeah. Thank you it. all. Make sure you leave us a five-star review and I will read it. Try to um, not love Dave so much in these reviews. Nobody likes hey, that. Hey, <laughs> Dave's doing a great job. Let's thank our patrons real quick for the uh, VIPs. We have Allison V, Anna C, Dakota G, Donnie N, Glitter Tease, Cami from Washington, Jeannie R, Jennifer P, Joseph S, Lisa J, Mel, Mike Oubliette, Blake, Mom and Pops yeah. W, Nick. We have Robert H and Demon King, as well as Inspires Gaming. Thank you so much for being VIPs for the Warren's Wards. We have Amby Rose, Kath Q, Chris C, LBPS founder, next HGGS guest, DC, Elizabeth Young, Eugene M, Lily, half of a lobster dance. We have I Hate Rob. We have Jake V. We have Janice G. We have uh. Jesse. Jesse clearly loves ACDC, and so do I. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it stays. We have Papa Squatch, we have Rachel B, Sarah Cook, Siobhan, not Sharon. We have Steph A of the COTS. We have Stitch Kitten, Sydney B. We have the other Rachel B, Adam S, Al Capone. Al Capone's allegedly poorly taxidermied wife. We have Alicia Espinoza. You know, I'm worried. Is Al Capone's <laughs> it's somewhere else? It's, it's somewhere, somewhere else. else. Where I'm gonna is find it? it? We have uh, Anthony Whiskey Dave is mid T. We have <laughs> Arcade Hunters. We have Ashley M. Brandon W. Captain McSlugs. We have Colby has a shorter name. We have Crystal Quinn. We have Did I Really Shave My Legs for This? We have Ghost Stories of the Paranormal Podcast. We have Hooska. Hooska. Castle. We also have on the second page huggy bear joe r julie s we have kelly c carrie lee j marie r we have mark we have mark twain and the haunted grape we have mina h mariah m we have my name is jesse wilkins and i'm the world's biggest fan of acdc <laughs> you guys in my coat <laughs> you asked for this you guys, are, this? <laughs> we have you guys are wondering what he's talking about this is this is a reference to the friday the 13th <laughs> Yeah, I express Review. my absolute love for ACDC. We have Paul from St. Louis. We have Pork. We have R. You know the drill. We have Sam from Nepal. Sharon V. We have Shitsky Dave. We have Sofem. <laughs> we have Hooper. We have the Big Spag Nasty. And we have Wayne C. Thank you so much for being patrons. For as little as $3 a month, you can get your name in the credits. You can get it read out on this podcast. And early access bonus content, ad-free episodes. And Patreon seems like they're adding a brand new feature like every single day. Yeah. We can actually live stream right on Patreon now. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to look into that. There's also like a chat thing that I haven't been able to find, but Patreon is ever maybe, evolving. Maybe, so. maybe the Patreon members found the secret chat that we haven't found, and that's why they're coordinating these ACDC <sighs> attacks on Jesse. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, absolutely. So that was awesome. Uh, very fun episode. Thank you guys again. It's 100. And and we appreciate you guys for being here and helping we're us continue to do you. what we're doing. Yeah, we're just not we're just not here without you. So we 
we appreciate everyone that has taken the time to listen to the show join in the chat rate review any support you've shown it really does mean the world to us hell yeah all right we'll see you guys on friday for our celebration as well as a haunted headlines episode that we will drop if you're not able to make it we'll try to maybe do a little live stream of the event or at least post some footage from it on the socials and we'll see you guys then and then back on tuesday for another special live episode we'll see you guys then 